Welcome to the Radical Brilliance Podcast with Arjuna Arda and brilliant guests from around the world who are contributing to the evolution of humanity. Today's guest is Dr. Vlatko Vedral, who's going to talk to us about quantum reality. So here's your host, Arjuna Arda. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Radical Brilliance podcast. You know, I've talked to some really great people over the last uh, months, almost a year now that I've been doing this. We have had Lynn Twist on and Alex Ebert, the founder of Edward Schaffman, Magnetic Zeros and Daniel Schmachtenberger. But I honestly don't remember having another conversation quite as interesting as the one that you're about to hear. It blew my mind. And I think to some degree, we blew each other's minds in exploring this. I'm really, um, I'm really humbled and grateful to have the opportunity to speak to Dr. Vlatko Vidral, the professor of quantum uh, technology at Oxford University. The theoretical conclusions, the, 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 you could say the um, quantum theory already just flips our whole universe upside down, including, as you probably know, the possibility that what we see as things are actually wave-like and they only become things because we need to look at them. For example, uh, Schrodinger's cat was a thought experiment that, that means that actually something could be in two states at the same time, but you only perceive one of them. Well, all of that has been blowing reality up in our faces for 80 years, since the 1930s. But right now, today, we are starting at a quantum level to prove this, that, that this is actually true of quantum particles. We've started to do this already, but it's becoming more and more real. And once that happens, once we, once we go through that breakthrough, whatever ultimately is true at a quantum level ends up being true of everything. So it's really the, the shift from Newtonian physical solid physics to quantum physics that maybe what changes our collective consciousness more than anything. So I'm really pleased to have this conversation with Dr. Vidral. Please enjoy and please stick around at the end because I'm going to have some suggestions for what you can do with this in your life to move things forward. So, Dr. Vidral, thank you so much for joining us. This is super exciting to explore the cutting edge of reality, um, which, which has incredible parallels to things that people have postulated for a long time. Thank you Thanks so very much for interviewing me. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you as well. well I, I've got to tell you, from my perspective, this is about the most interesting conversation available on planet Earth today. So <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. So let's jump right in. If, if, we, if we may, I'd like to, to get started on a quick overview of Schrodinger's cat thought experiment 
because I think that would be a good leaping point to understand the implications of theoretical quantum physics and then what you're able to substantiate in the laboratory. Yes, I think Schrodinger was really the first person. He was one of the pioneers of quantum mechanics as well, I think, together with Heisenberg. And I think um, initially um, he thought that maybe some of the consequences are really paradoxical. And so funnily enough, this Schrodinger's cat experiment, I think initially, Schrodinger intended as, um, as almost exposing a, a paradox within quantum mechanics. Because um, the way he would put it is like this. He would say, if quantum mechanics suggests that these micro objects like atoms and photons, particles of light, if they can really be in many different states at the same time, so you can have a photon in one physical spatial location and another one at the same time, then actually the question he asked is what happens when that particle interacts with a large object? How shall I understand this coming from quantum mechanics? So either quantum mechanics can describe this, it's a universal theory, or something else has got to happen along the way. Yeah. Uh, and actually to dramatize, of course, this macroscopic object could be anything really. Uh, it could be, you know, a table or, or, or it could be a house or it could be anything else. But I think in order to dramatize it as much as possible, Schrodinger took a cat because it's a living system. And then he said, imagine that this particle that we know from all our experiments really does exist in two different places at the same time. Imagine if in one of these places it interacts with a bottle full of poison, it breaks this bottle, the poison is released, and as a result, the cat dies, while in the other possibility, in the other branch, there is nothing in the way of this particle, there's no poison in the room, and the cat is alive. So he says, suddenly, I'm starting with a quantum object being in two places at the same time, mm. but be because it can couple to the rest of the universe, I'm ending up with a cat being dead and alive at the same time, which actually would be the prediction of quantum mechanics. Wow, let me ask you a question. So you mentioned that the, the outcome of this thought experiment is paradoxical. Now, what I wanna ask you is the paradoxical nature of that outcome did it suggest to Schrodinger that therefore it was incorrect or did it suggest that therefore life is paradoxical? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. And actually I'm, I'm probably not much of a historian of science, but I think I know a little bit about this. I think initially he really meant it as a paradox. He, he thought something would collapse mm. in that macroscopic life. He simply thought it's got to be one way mm. or the other. It's either dead or alive, but it can't be both at the same time. And then, and then I think as time went on, and, 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 and probably the reason for that is that there was a tremendous experimental progress in the you know, 30 years following his, his discovery that actually he might have, and I think some people do say that he changed his mind. And so I think towards the end of his life, Hmm. he actually became what we would call a many worlds supported that actually both hmm. of these worlds would exist at the hmm. same time and actually there's nothing paradoxical there well i wonder if i might 
uh, offer you a little parallel from my investigation because it might be interesting for our conversation. So yes, yes, I've yes. been a great, um, I've been a great follower of um, Gregory Bateson, who was actually at Cambridge, not at Oxford. Yes, <laughs> I was also at Cambridge. I'm afraid. To That's say. okay. We <laughs> talked to them as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Gregory Boatson wrote this book called Towards an Ecology of Mind, and he developed this idea of the double bind. Now, the double bind is where we're presented with impossible choices in life, where really either way you are, either choice you make, you are bound to obliterate something that seems meaningful. And the most example of, famous example of this is Hamlet, right? Yes. So you remember that he sees his father's ghost, yes. and his father's ghost says, avenge my death. So that's yes. one reality. In a, way, in a yes. way, that's kind of one of, one of the Schrodinger's cat outcome. You know? yes. One reality is, I'm a real ghost, avenge, avenge my death. The other reality is where Hamlet doubts this and says, I'm just going crazy. That was not really my father's ghost. This is, a, this is all a freak show and I've got to calm down. And that leads to that famous speech, to be or not to be, that yes. expression, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or whether, or whether to take arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing end them. And if we look at all great literature, almost always any great kind of tragic literature is someone facing this kind of impossible double bind where you don't yes. know which to choose. So, yes. so Bateson and many people who followed him have seen this is the essence of the human predicament, which it yes. seems like, it seems like at a quantum level we're seeing this replicated. Yes, I think you are right. The, the reason why you might think that this is paradoxical is precisely because we're thinking in this very classical way, because we, we ourselves are macroscopic systems. What we see around us is really the world behaving on the laws, based on the laws of classical physics. And when we come to it, we are thinking it's got to be one way or the other. There right. really cannot be anything in between. It can't be both at the same time. Yeah, right. So that's, I mean, that is as mind-blowing as mind-blowing gets, to, 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 yes. see that, to see that actually the view that an, a cat is alive or dead is actually a limited, erroneous It's a very view. limited view, yes. And right. actually cats are both alive and dead at the same time. I mean, that's, that's, yes. <laughs> that changes everything. It changes everything. Of course, um, the, the difficulty there, and I think it's nice that you said uh, theoretical physics, because this really was a thought experiment, and it still is to a high degree a thought experiment in the sense that we haven't done anything like this with a living system. And I think that's, that's actually the interesting bit. How do we really turn this into, into a proper feasible experiment? So, sorry, I just had to block the light because I was in uh, incredible... Ah, don't worry, don't worry. Don't yeah, worry. so how close are we in your work at Oxford? How close are we to turning this from a thought experiment to maybe not a cat, maybe that's a little extreme, but how close yes. are we to seeing that something that two opposite states could coexist. I know yes. that the, 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 the double slit experiment in a way did that, that something that begins as a particle appears to go through two slits simultaneously, which is impossible in the physical world, right? Yes, yes, there's a famous uh, example, Young's double slit, and I think physicists like Feynman 
would even begin all of the lectures on quantum mechanics just by discussing this experiment because again classically speaking is very counterintuitive and it already leads to these two realities coexisting and interfering with one another so uh, as physicists we've experimented with with more and more complex systems and so far they've all exhibited this feature but we're still talking about you know subatomic particles atoms right. molecules and what we would really like to do is is try to experiment with a living system i think that's going to be the the first big breakthrough yeah would even be uh putting a bacterium yeah. in a state that's dead and alive wow that, that would be the and i think we are you know we are not that far from from this experiment well how far are we at a at an at an inanimate macro level in other words not just a quantum particle but um an object that's made yes. of molecules but inanimate we are talking about objects now for instance that contain um up to uh 10,000 atoms okay so it's a molecule that consists of 10,000 atoms mm -hmm. which again you know if you're coming from the from the atomic physics side this is huge because we are used to experimenting with with much much smaller systems than this yes um we uh, this object is still about 100 to a thousand times smaller than the smallest virus right so actually that's just to give you an idea that we have to cross these two orders of magnitude experimentally speaking to even get to to a small virus well i have uh like schrodinger's cat i have lapped up two of your books uh, <laughs> and in, in one of them decoding reality i believe you said in that book that everything that is true at a quantum level must ultimately be true at a macro level as well yes i strongly believe that i i i think everything we do points in that direction experimentally and like i said it's a far simpler view of reality than anything else right um to a scientist i think when you talk to a scientist it matters a lot some people would call this occam's razor you know yeah. do not add more assumptions than you actually need to explain right. all the phenomena yeah and it seems it seems to me if we just uh, postulate that the whole universe is quantum yeah. and take it from there yeah. this so far is the simplest view albeit extremely counterintuitive as we're discussing but yeah. actually it's the simplest view that um uh, you know includes all of the observations so far well, around Earth was counterintuitive back in the 16th century, you know, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so That's... so let, let's, let's begin to include the role of the observer now, right? Yes. Because as I, I mean, obviously I'm a total layman here, but as I understand it, the, the cat needing to be only alive and dead is very much entangled with the, the, the appearance of an observer in the situation. Yes, you're right. And I think, again, quantum mechanics comes in exactly the same way that this photon that created this state initially gets entangled to the cat when you take this to the next level whoever now steps into that room to observe the cat yeah will also have to interact with the cat yeah but the cat is in two possibilities at the same time yeah yeah so that, 
that person will also have to get entangled. So yeah. we're following exactly the same quantum logic. We're not adding anything to it. Yeah. But, but the amazing conclusion is that actually you will get two different realities now. You will have one of these two observers who will see one yeah. outcome, yeah. Uh, a, a dead cat, and you will see another one that will see um, an alive cat. And so let me just, let me run that by you, because this is, I mean, I know this is kind of freaky science fiction talk, but, <laughs> but it seems to be, it, it appears at a quantum level to be more true than what we think is reality. So what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is, we set up this experiment where it's a cat yes. or something, and yes. there are two quantum, two quantum outcomes. If you step into the field and observe, you are actually then going to become two people, one who observes one outcome and one who become, observes the other. Yes, and it seems to me that's, um, that's exactly what quantum mechanics would suggest. Would point to um, right? Exactly. I think if you do the math, you will get exactly what you just said. The, the, the difficulty, right. of course, will be how to test it. Yeah. That's exactly where this intricate version of Schrodinger's experiment comes in. Yeah, but I mean, you're, you know, you're not just like, starting out in the physics department, right? You're, you're the professor, right? Yeah, I've, I've had some experience. You're the professor. So what you're saying is from, from a fairly extensive track record of investigating this, as far as you can see, it's more true. That is I think so. to say I think that, so. I think, yeah. Yes. I, can, okay. I, can, I, can, I can put it differently. Maybe that doesn't offend anyone, you know, out there with different views. I think if you were, to tell me that you're working on this experiment and you're gonna do it in, let's say, within 10 years time, and you are asking me now to bet on it, yeah. then I would bet all my money, all my overdraft, you know, <laughs> on my bank account would go in this direction, wow. that this is correct. Okay. So I'm, I'm very confident about it. Wow, wow. So I wanna get back to the implications of that in a minute, but first of all, let's, let, I, I, I've, um, we're looking at this slide now of, of Bob the experimenter, right? One yes. who's, who's happy, Bob, because the yes. cat's alive. And one <laughs> is right. miserable, Bob, because the cat's yes. died, right? Yes. And now let's talk about Alice, because and the relationship yes. between Bob and, and this Alice. This is exactly, this is the key point that actually, you know, I always get surprised that even practitioners of quantum physics mm. do not quite understand this next step. And, you know, in, in some sense, that's to be expected because many people who work with quantum mechanics, they don't necessarily think about the fundamental side. They think mm -hmm. about applications. Mm -hmm. And I think... Oh, you, you, you're, you're, I don't yeah, hear yeah. you anymore. Oh, you cut out oh. the sound. How okay. did that happen? Is it oh, okay now? It's okay now. Just say the last sentence. Oh, great. Again. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I think if you... Um, if you are, you know, it's not a surprising thing that even um, uh, quite a few of my colleagues would not be aware of this next step. They wouldn't necessarily be thinking like that. And that's simply a consequence of the fact that many quantum physicists are simply applying quantum physics to technologies. Mm -hmm. And they're not necessarily thinking about what it means to observe something, what, what really is an observation. Right. So I think what's interesting is that while Bob may be in his own reality, and in this case, there are two realities. He's either in one of them or the other. It's two Bobs, right? Two Bobs. That's how I would, I would put it. You well, see, you, even, yeah. even our language becomes a little bit tricky here. Yeah, I know. Right? But, but, but you're saying he's either in one reality or the other. But you're saying, actually, if we observe it 
from outside the system, he's in both realities. Absolutely, both exist. Right. Yeah. And for that, you need this other observer that you mentioned, yeah. who has not been spoiled, if you like, yeah. by quantum entanglement. Alice yeah. is sitting outside. Mm. She has not entered the room to make an observation. And therefore, as far as she's concerned, both of these realities exist. Right. So what is, I, I, what, tell me about the communication that can happen between Alice and Bob. Yeah, that's of course, interesting. Because I've heard you present this before. No, no, I, I understand. I understand. I think it's very important to to discuss this, and I am actually happy that you are going into the nitty gritty. Because yeah. some people would say, "Ah, you uh, you claim that someone who is not part of this experiment and is outside will really be forced to acknowledge both of them simultaneously," mm -hmm. and then they could say, "But how would you test that? You know, yeah. how, how can you prove to me?" Yeah, that, that Alice actually is forced to acknowledge both, mm. while at the same time Bob mm. exists in mm. in each and knows that he exists in each. Mm. And so the next step that that I would um, I would include is that Alice asks Bob mm. the following question. She says to Bob, "Do you see a definitive state of the cat?" Mm -hmm. So it's very important that the question does not ask which state, because right. then it becomes tantamount to Alice yeah. making the observation herself. Right. So she says to Bob, tell me if you definitively see a dead cat or a live, or a, you know, an alive cat. You don't tell me which one, mm. but just tell me if you've made an observation. Mm. And actually, again, quantum mechanics would suggest mm. that the answer would be yes in both of these cases. So she can ask him the question, let's say, by writing it on a piece of paper, if you want to be kind of minimally intrusive. Yeah. And then she could just slide that under the door. Bob can write yes, and he would write yes in both of these alternatives. Yes, yeah. Even though they're two different Bobs, as you say, mm -hmm. but each of them would say yes. Then he would give the piece of paper back to Alice. Mm -hmm. And so Alice would now know that Bob mm -hmm. is actually in both of them, if mm -hmm. you like. The, mm -hmm. Bob has made an observation. Yeah. While the quantum entanglement is still there. So she's not entangled in the outcome. Yes. But she is entangled in the context of the experiment. That's it. Right? It's yeah. very important. This is exactly the key word. You mustn't get entangled in the relevant subspace, relevant for the information that you're looking right. for. If you get entangled in that way, then yeah. Alice will need yet another observer right. Right. who is outside and it's not right. entangled. Now yes. tell me about that other observer. What would that be? So, so that's now interesting because now you say, uh, how long can I continue this chain of observations? And actually you can. You can now assume that there is yet another observer who is controlling both Alice yeah, and I as think it's, well the, as, it's the Mad Hatter in the picture. Mad Hatter, yeah, yeah. I went with that analogy yeah. all the way since yeah. we are using Alice and Bob, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and, and actually this chain, the hierarchy of observers never yeah. needs to stop really. Right. Because you right. could always think of yet another person joining this and making some kind of observation. Yes. Okay. So the I just want to clarify the relationship between Alice and Bob is Bob is entangled in a dead cat or a, a live cat. Alice is simply entangled in an outcome, doesn't matter That's which. That's it. That's it. I just want to know, yes or no, was there an outcome or was not? Was there an outcome? That's it. So That's what it. would be the Mad Hatter's perspective then? Mad Hatter would now speak to Alice 
Yeah. And before, it's an extremely good point, actually, and I think it follows beautifully the logic of quantum mechanics. You could yeah. say mm. that Mad Hatter, before talking to Alice, yeah. simply has to assume that Alice is in both states, that there has been an outcome and there right. hasn't been an outcome. Right. But so now Mad Hatter takes a piece of paper yeah. and says, Alice, from your communication with Bob, has he actually observed an outcome? And now if she says, yes, he has, yeah. he is basically automatically in the same reality as Alice. Right, right, which right. Which is right. very interesting. Before right. that, he has to acknowledge both of them. Right, right, right. So, so supposing the Mad Hatter asked Alice, have you asked the question? Absolutely, a different one. That it's, yeah. it's a beauty. You, yeah. You're doing something very, very uh, beautiful because actually the whole point about quantum mechanics is exactly the context. How yeah. is the question asked? Right. And every time you ask the, uh, a particular question, you're going to split the universe, if you like. Yes. Uh, according to the question. If you right. ask a different question, the split would be different. Well, you're, it seems like you're kind of splitting the universe, but That's you're it. also creating parallel universes, each yes. of which is complete in itself. Absolutely. So within, and, and that's the beauty of it, where I think your analogy with, with the spinning earth is great. Because, yeah. you know, you, you could have said to someone 400 years ago, the, the earth is spinning. And the person would say, but I don't feel anything. You know, how, yeah. How, yeah. how come it's spinning? Yeah. And then the person could do even more than that. They could take an apple and toss it in the air mm. and it would come exactly back to their hand. Yeah. And the person would say, if the earth was spinning, the apple would fall somewhere else, you know? So here, you almost have a proof that the earth is not yeah, exactly. moving or spinning. Yeah. And actually, we know that that view is, is really wrong. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, you could say, well, wait a second. I feel I belong to only one universe. Mm. I clearly see various outcomes around me. I'm not confused about what I see. Right. Right. And yet, quantum physics says, no, we can actually prove to you in principle yeah. that you exist in, in, in a multitude of these yeah. realities. And each of your copies feels exactly the same about their own respective reality. And so then now you start to have people identified with right-wing politics and left-wing politics, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just to make it more complicated. Yeah, well, yeah who are absolutely yes. identified with their worldview, who yes. consider the opposite to be insane, but they coexist. Yes. And there's yes. multiple dimensions of that. You know, yes, there's yes. different religions, different everything, right? Multiple, yes, yes. multiple parallel universes. Absolutely. And, and you see, th this is exactly why possibly someone like Schrodinger initially found this hard to believe. Yeah. Because what, what I'm suggesting is that every time there is a binary split, like a photon being on the left or on the right side of your experiment. Yeah. And you know, this can happen every billionth of a second, every nanosecond, you will right. get an event right. like that. Right. Every time that happens, you get basically doubling yes. of realities. Yes, yes, and yes. So it's a stupendous number of possible right. universes that, that exist all in one physical place, if you like. Yeah. But in this multitude, multitude of different options. Well, yeah, and even the idea of physical place is yes. somehow, it's a, it's, that even is perhaps, that is connected quantum mechanically to this, you are right. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So there's a couple of, there's a couple of implications of this that I want to run by you that come from the world that I've grown up in. You know, I, I, yes. I, 
I, I went to the other university, the other place, you know, where yes, I studied, yes, other, where I down studied the road, yeah. Yeah, down the road, where I yeah. studied humanities rather than science, you know. Yes. Um, so, and, and I went really down the road. I, I studied literature, but I went really into the kind of mystical expressions of literature. Yes. So there's a couple of implications I want to run by you. One is what is known in kind of, I suppose, slightly alternative psychology as parts theory. It was originally, um, it was really brought into, originally brought into being by Fritz Perls, but it was developed by Helen Sidra Stone and various other people. And it's the idea is that we are all of us actually incredibly fragmented as human beings. We have all sorts of conflicting desires and beliefs and really a different part of us is grabbing the microphone and saying, I want this, but the next day you'll, you may completely contradict yourself. And the more that you really explore, you know, soberly look at the, me the mechanisms of the psyche, you see that it's very fragmented. Yes. But then we start to postulate this idea, which we can step into of like the witness or the observer, which doesn't have fixed points of view, but is able to observe multiple points of view. And that is, that's the whole point of meditation. You know, that's why people yes. meditate, to cultivate this witness state, the capacity to observe different states of mind and emotion. So it yes. seems to me that what has been postulated for millennia in mysticism is exactly now what, you're, what, you're, what you have already postulated with, with theoretical physics and what you're in the process of proving that, that this view of a fragmented self observed by a witness, the witness would be maybe not Bob, not Alice, not Mad Hatter, but multiple layers deeper, a perspective that can include all possibilities but not choose any of them. Yes, I think that's, uh, that's amazing uh, that, uh, that you think that actually these two uh, views are, are possibly related. If, if I understand what you're suggesting, you, you are saying maybe there is even some um, underlying explanation that we can have, which is really quantum mechanical. So it's not just an analogy between these two, yeah. But you could say the reason why uh, people in, not just in mysticism, but in, in psychology, as you said, have come up with this view is possibly because, you know, the fundamental laws of physics are really quantum mechanical. Well, uh, yeah. Th this would be, I think, to me, again, th this is why it's important to have a human observer in that experiment. Right. You see, I'm, I'm quite confident that this will work with, with very simple living systems at some point, but then I think it will still not be completely con conclusive simply because there is no way that you can talk to a bacterium and say, you know, how do you feel now? Yeah. Do you know that you are in two different states and things like that? Whereas really the only other living system we know how to communicate with faithfully, at least properly, are human beings, which is why it could, of course, be that maybe we end up doing this with an, uh, with an AI, with an artificial intelligence. Right, right, right. Which could be simpler, you know, maybe uh, one day we realize how to mimic some features of conscious observers. And it's possible that this will take place before we are able to do this with, with humans. Well, that's something I was thinking about when I was reading your, your books, that we can postulate doing this with human consciousness that we understand yes. relatively well. Yes. We can also think of other animate consciousness like a, like a dog. Like if a dog was in the room, the dog yes. would perceive a living cat or a dead cat. 
And yes. I, I think we would assume from the way that dogs behave that dogs don't see living and dead cats at the same time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. I, I, I agree with you, yes. Right. And you could probably see the response of this dog. Right. Which right. would tell you which of the two alternatives. Well, exactly, because you yeah, see a sad it. dog or a happy dog. Yes. But then, of course, as you said, there is the possibility of robotic or inanimate observing. Yes. And, but then, of course, but then even if the robotic or inanimate observing was able to observe both states, when the human went to read the result of the robotic observing, the 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 human would get the human get, would get entangled in one result. Yes, you're right, and and, and there is no uh, there is no getting away from this within quantum mechanics. That's okay. actually the that's the limitation, if you like. Yeah. Um, in some sense, this is equivalent to what people call Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Yes, yes, yeah. In the, in the, in the, and I think we can phrase it here in this way. Either you will know uh, which of the outcomes Bob has seen, but in that case, you can't have them both at the same time. Yeah. Or if you have them both at the same time, you're not going to be able to tell which of the two outcomes Bob has seen. And that's exactly the questions of Alice. Alice can ask one or the other, but they are complementary. They cannot be uh, achieved simultaneously, as far as Alice is concerned. Well, unless, unless, I mean, unless if Bob or Alice could be educated to understand that their previous view of reality was erroneous. Yes. That things, things actually do coexist in different states. If they could be thoroughly enough educated to Yes, to this understand would be amazing it. if this was possible. I think then, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, because, I mean, already we know that there are all sorts of frequencies of light that we don't see, yes. but, but other beings see. Oh, let me tell you an even better story, actually, about this, which is yes. really interesting. Okay, yes. so maybe you know when Captain Cook arrived on the, he, he arrived on the south coast of Tasmania when he was going to discover Australia. And yes. there were Aborigines on the shore um, working on their canoes. Yes. When the boat arrived in the, um, in the bay, the yes. Aborigines did not react at all. They, didn't, they just went on doing their thing. They didn't react at all. Only when, the, when so Captain Cook and his crew thought, great, they're very friendly. So they lowered the rife, lifeboats or the rowing yes. boats into yes. the water. Then the Aborigines went crazy. Now, what it appears is, that the Aborigines simply could not see the big That's boat amazing. because That's it was amazing. outside of their view of what's possible. Yes. Only when it became a boat they could understand could they react to it. And there's, yes. there's a name for that, I forget. There's a name for that phenomenon of people have ignored things they don't understand. They simply don't. So there may be spaceships flying over our heads the whole time. I understand, right. I understand. Right. So in the same way... Yes, I know, think this is, uh, this is very, very close to... Heisenberg's view, because right. I think Heisenberg maintained that quantum mechanics really required a, a kind of a huge leap of imagination, precisely because our thoughts yeah. are classical. Yes. You know, he right. said we've had we've had 2000 years of kind of classical thinking. Right. And to break out of that, you right. even need to come up with concepts that we don't have it at present from classical physics. Yeah. So I think you're suggesting something very radical. 
yeah. in the sense that you, you're saying maybe this will enable us to see even much more. Well, I think you're suggesting think. something really radical. Well, I am suggesting. <laughs> I'm just I, listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to take quantum mechanics seriously yeah. and push it to its logical conclusion. Right, and I think right. that's, that's where it goes, you know? No, well, you're clearly a gambling man, right? We know that. You like to gamble, <laughs> right? I do. <laughs> <laughs> because you said, you, said that, um, you said that if you had to bet, in 10 years, you would bet that this will be provable yes. at a measurable way. So I'm going to ask you to shake the dice again for me and do a little more betting, right? Um, so if that was the case, if it became commonplace that we can prove this at least at a quantum level so that we adjust to the fact that things really do coexist in opposite states and it's only the limitations of seeing how we see them that limits yes. them, then what do you think that might do to collective human consciousness, to the way we live together? If we started to recognize that opposite views are simply incomplete versions of a bigger view, what might that, what might that contribute to the evolution of humanity, which, you know, kind of is really overdue for an evolving leap right now, as you may have noticed, you know, it's like the... Yes, uh, I think now is the right time. You're yeah, right. right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true globally as well, yes. Yeah. I, think, I think you're right. Actually, uh, again, here I'm, you know, I, I speak as a, more as a, as, as a human being, of course, than a scientist, that I think... Um, the way we acquire certain concepts and understandings is very complex. So I think if you want to achieve this kind of transformation, it seems to me we would have to change the way we teach kids yes. about science and physics. This would yeah. have to start at a very basic level. And quantum uh, physics is not taught, taught in schools, right? It's not at all, which I think is yeah. a mistake. You know? yeah. I think mm. it's a mistake because I think what we, dis what we have been discussing uh, just the two of us, I think it's something that you can explain to a, to a child, young child. I mean, you know, not the complex mathematics, and I don't think you need to. Yeah. But I think the concepts are all there. They're not that difficult to understand, really. Right. It's, it's more a question of getting used to it. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you are suggesting is somehow that the, the, the really striking impact there would be simply to realize that even you yourself... Hmm exist in a multitude of these branches. Right, right. And it's just a question of someone being able to kind of even put them together, if you like to think of it, you know, can I really interfere these two possibilities mm. in the same way that you're interfering a particle that goes through two slits at the same time? Yeah. Ultimately, both of these possibilities end up mm. giving you a detection at the screen. Mm -hmm. And I think now you are saying, what would happen if in one branch you were uh, a Republican and in, in the other branch you're a Democrat? Right. But now think about it. They exist at the same time. And think about someone who is trying now to put them together quantum mechanically and interfere them. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, a very, it's a very interesting idea. I mean, it's, it's something I have not thought about at all, mm. but it sounds like it could have very, very radical implications, of course. Well, you know, I would guess that Copernicus was really busy all of his life thinking about astronomy. Yes. But he didn't anticipate that that shift yes. very specifically precipitated the Renaissance and caused changes in humanitarianism, in architecture, in art, in music, and everything because we shifted from an incoherent universe to a coherent one. So yes. 
even though you may not be thinking about the implications, you, you're, you're doing your Copernicus, well, you're doing the Galileo thing. Right? <laughs> Thank you, that's very, that's very kind of you. I think, I think you're right, when you're doing uh, this kind of work, you're really thinking about the details of how to reach that state where you can actually do that experiment. Yeah. And I think that preoccupies you most of the time. Uh, you are thinking about possible contradictions that could arise. You know, if I do this, can I really do that? Is this mutually exclusive and so on? Mm. But I think you are right that it's still limited to a very specific setting and a very specific experiment. Even though uh, the implications may go way beyond that. I think yeah. so. I think yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. will go way beyond. And part of it probably is, like with anything else, is simply having um, very simple gadgets that already exploit this. You know, yeah. I was talking about educating ki kids about how these things work. And if you start at that level, and if you explain to them that what they are holding is a mini quantum computer, and actually that this gadget works by exploiting this multitude of different possibilities, doing them all simultaneously and putting them back together, mm. then it's possible that when you grow up with that, you will simply project that on, onto everything else that you see around you. Well, it also, yes, and, and, and it also means that, I mean, if you don't like what you're experiencing, you would have the awareness this is only one version. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Just yes. change the channel, you know. Yes, so, yes. And, 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 and again, as we said, this is something that would not be possible directly for you who is stuck in your own reality, but you know in principle that there is an experiment that could actually do that just like Alice would do that for Bob, for instance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In fact, in exactly. fact, since we are going down the complete science fiction yeah. uh, road, you could even think of Alice as being artificial intelligence, being a computer that's pre-programmed by Bob mm. to do this experiment. Mm. So it, it doesn't even it could be artificial intelligence. It doesn't have to be a human being. Well, also the I mean the relationship between Alice and Bob. If Alice was to say to Bob, "You're entangled." right? That is basically, that traditionally has been the role of what we call a spiritual teacher. You know, that's, that's, that's what a teacher does. They say, oh, you're entangled right now. Yes, you don't feel like it, but you're yeah. entangled. Yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. The things, I like that. You, the things you think are solid limitations on your reality actually aren't. Because I'm Alice and I'm outside yes. the box, you know, right. And I've done the experiment. Yes, it's it's <laughs> and, interesting, yes. And I, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to also see if we could shift for a moment to the nature of time. Yes. Okay. Because if we go back to Schrodinger's cat, basically you could say, one way to say it is the cat lives or the cat dies, but you could also say in one, way, in one path, the cat changes its state and dies. In the other path, the cat continues to live, right? So yes. now that's with, that's with something dramatic like the death of a cat. But let's say it's something like um, an object falling off a table, right? Let's say, let's say that instead of the, the photon hitting a bottle of poison, it just knocks an object off a table. So yes. in one path, the object stays on the table. In the other path, it falls off the table. So it seems to me you could create an argument that in one path, time did not move forward because nothing changed. In the, other t in the other path, time moved forward. Now, again, if we fractalize that infinitely, as you've suggested, it becomes a way of understanding time, that, yes. that, that time is a change of state, 
and since in every change of state the, cha the, the state also doesn't change, then time is actually made up in your mind. And really everything's happening now. So that the Middle Ages are just as much now as 2020, but we're just living in one version of it. Now that, again, I'm going science fiction. I'm just wondering if there's- Yes, I think it resonates with quantum mechanics. In fact, the closest I can get you, and, and, and maybe you, you'll be happy to, to, to hear about it, is that, you know, we have these atomic clocks that are meant to be able to measure tiny intervals of time. I think yeah. at, at present, the, the record is something like 10 to the minus 1920 second. So it's really tiny. It's a billionth of a billionth of a second right? that, yeah. we, can, that we can actually detect. Now, what's interesting, and I think this is a, a very, very simple version of your experiment. If you put this clock, remember it's an atom, it's an atomic clock, it's a single atom, it's a quantum system, and mm. we know how to superpose it. We know how to put it in two different states at the same time. Yeah. If you put this clock at two different heights, then uh, gravity says that time will flow at one rate at one height and at a different rate at a different height. And now we have your scenario where in one of these quantum branches, time travels, goes faster, if you like, than in the other one. I think your example was more dramatic because you stopped time in one of the branches and you continued in the other one. But actually, relativity allows us to have a superposition, quantum existence of two different rates at which time ticks. And automatically, the, the question is, so what is time? You know, is there an objective, absolute view of time? Or is it exactly, as you said, the rate of change of things that you observe around you? Right, right. And, and what this would suggest, incidentally, and this is mind-blowing, is that at the highest level of the universe, there is no time. Exactly right. as you said, the right way to think about it is that nothing happens. Right. It's only in each of these branches right you could say that things actually take place it, it's it's amazing and it's fully consistent with, with with the quantum universe so when we start to talk about multiple parallel universes it explains the individual fractalizing of reality but it also explains it explains that realities at different points in time are all existing they're just different different expressions of the split Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. And it's very interesting. And in fact, the key, um, uh, you, you could argue that people who are trying to quantize gravity, so gravity is the only outstanding force out of the four forces that we haven't been able to fully understand quantum mechanically. Some people would say that this is equivalent to the problem of time. How do we think about time? So you're asking a very, very profound question there in physics. What is time? Mm. And many people think that once we understand this properly, quantum mechanically, we'll be able to handle gravity as well. Well, the, the, the observer effect and the way that the observer gets entangled yes. really means that any conclusion we come to, whether it's individual or collective, is always selective. It's selecting either what we, either what we observe or possibly also what we choose, right? So, so, I mean, it could be that Bob... I mean, you suggested, you know, there's a happy Bob because the cat lived and there's a sad Bob yes. because the cat died. You could also postulate that 
Bob leaned into his unhappy expression of himself, and that's what caused the cat to die. You know? right? <laughs> yes, in inverting the cause and the effect there, yes. Well, I mean, certainly and, our subjective experience points that way. Yes, and I think it's interesting that the same applies to the clocks that you suggested, that actually yeah. you don't have to measure the clock. You can let these two quantum yeah. possibilities go on yeah. for a certain period of time before you look at the clock. Yeah. And now you have exactly the same question. What time am I going to see when yeah. I make that measurement? Is it going yeah. to be five o'clock or six o'clock? Or, or 1100. Or whatever. Or, <laughs> exactly. Or whatever other reality is there. It's really interesting. Um, I know in the, in the previous talk I heard you give, you were talking about an, a, a physical experiment in the laboratory that you were about to go and do before COVID hit. Yes. Um, and I assume you're still waiting to do that. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I think they're just uh, letting us back. Like everyone else, I think we need a special permission to go back to the labs. And I think they're trying to make them as safe as possible with distancing and everything else, you know, yeah. hygiene. Uh, the experiment is exactly to try to create an entangled state uh, between two organic molecules initially, but ultimately really living systems. So we would like to entangle two bacteria. So mm. like I said, this is maybe the first step towards Schrodinger. Mm. Um, of course, you know, bacteri bacteria are far simpler than, than cats and humans. Yeah. But I think this would be um, hopefully a major step in that direction. And I think if you can demonstrate entanglement at that level, probably many skeptics who, who believe that you will never be able to do this with a living system would already have to change their minds at, at, at that stage. I think it will, it will change quite a, quite a few people's views on, on, on quantum mechanics. So what, what, would, what would you aim to prove in that experiment? I think uh, the proof really would be that, that the two states of these bacteria uh, would be in this inseparable entangled state. So if one is in one reality, the other one is in the same reality. And if one of them is in a different reality, okay. then the other bacterium is also in. A bit like Alice and Bob in our experiment. Yeah, yeah, I see. So you're saying if one bacteria, I don't know, died, uh, the other one would, the, the, the entangled bacteria would also die? Which would be amazing if we could, we still cannot experiment with, with being alive and dead. I think in principle, you could see how you could go in that direction. I see. But the way, the way you would do it is you would make the bacterium absorb light. Mm. So one of these bacteria would be excited and would be subsequently doing photosynthesis. And either both of them would be doing that or both of them would not be doing that quantum mechanically. And that's that's where entanglement could come in. So you could say both of them are in the reality where they are photosynthesizing and quantum mechanics. You can see I'm struggling for and or 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 even yeah. our grammar. Yeah, grammar yeah. is actually yes, exactly. Language has to be. Don't have, yeah, language has to be changed. Yeah. So basically, they would be in both of these states. Yes. Right. 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 Um, so what you've postulated with Bob, Alice, and the Mad Hatter. Yes. What, what would it require to demonstrate that? I mean, that's that, the way you've described it, it seems that you could, I mean, we can't really have a cat exactly, but you, no, could, have, no, you right. could have a splitter that precipitates some kind of an event with an experimenter observing it, able to communicate with an, ex, with an experimenter. 
concept. Is yes, I think exactly. So to, to describe it specifically, it would go exactly the way you're suggesting. You would split a photon at a beam yeah. splitter. Yeah. And then that photon would go in one branch towards one of these bacteria and in uh, the other one towards the other one. Oh, okay. So it, it would either excite one of them, but not the other, and quantum mechanically, because the photon is going in both directions, it would excite the second one and not the first one. I and see. what we would have to prove is that this exists at the same time. Uh, so uh -huh. you could think really of the two bacteria as Alice and Bob and us as doing this experiment as the mad hatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the ultimate observer as far as this experiment is concerned. Is there a certain way in which the experiment, that the, both quantum, quantum events exist and, that, and then they are collapsed or reversed through observation? I think at one point you talked about... Ah, uh, Yes. Yeah, this is the language. This is the language that we use frequently. Again, it could be misleading because I'm arguing that at a higher level, nothing really collapses. They okay. all exist at the same time. Yeah, but collapse is used with respect to one of these observers. You know, it, when you say Bob one sees um, a living cat. Yeah, then for him. For that particular observer, you could say that the state of the cat has collapsed into being alive. For the other, Bob, you could say relative to his universe. So it's very important that you say relative to his universe because globally, both of these exist. But within each of these universes, it looks to them as though the state has collapsed. Well, let, me just, let, me, let me just ask you something for a minute because that's yes. an interesting thing because you said, globally both exist but it's more like two parallel globes that they exist. that's it that's that's the you see again we're struggling with yeah. with our language actually yeah. yes you're right yeah. so because what we really have to postulate is parallel universes which take up this which which each of which have their own version of time space they that's it exactly have, right i yeah. think that's how you have to think about it yes. right 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 so i meant globally simply because i was thinking about this mini mini universe if you like yes, where i'm yeah. only thinking about the experiment then one person observing it then another one outside and so on yeah but of course the same story is true for the for the rest of the universe and for any event that takes place one of the tenets that has been expressed a lot through mysticism through people who basically the kind of people historically who have gone through the journey of bob to alice the mad hatter to March hair to 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 yes. you know infinitely yes. until they really experience a kind of limitless consciousness. Um, one of the tenets that's been handed back, for example, there was a teacher who was a 12th century Tibetan master. He said, "Consider all phenomena as a dream," and many people have said this. It's like it's really better to assume that this is a dream than to think of it as real. It will make more sense if you understand you're dreaming it. So yes. this suggests, and this is actually where virtual reality provides some parallels for us. This suggests that nothing we're experiencing is really as objectively real as we think, that this is actually a simulation. Yes, it's a, it's, yeah, I, think, I think you're right that um, um, I frequently think about this uh, a dream within a dream, right? Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe, right? That, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and, and I think it's a very good metaphor because, again, if you, if you go back to Alice and Bob, um, Alice outside knows that 
Bob is in both of these states. You could say Bob is dreaming, right? As far yeah. as Alice is concerned, he's actually not in a definitive state. Yes, yes, sense. yes. There are yes. two Bobs. Yeah. But to Bob, it feels like it's very real, in fact. He would say, yeah, I definitely see, you know, right. definitive realities and outcomes and so on. Yeah. And yet you know that another observer yeah. will see it differently. Exactly. So, be, yeah. So you could, say, you could say that Bob is dreaming as far as Alice is concerned unless, until she's confirmed yeah. what he has seen. Right, right, right. And then, by the way, both of them are dreaming with then respect both to Mad Hatter. That's they're it. both entangled, yeah. And that's it. They're both so, entangled, I mean, yeah. when, we, when we say to Bob, oh, you're seeing a dead cat, you're dreaming, it's not so yes. clear. But if we think about a human being going through their life, yes. and they say, oh... I just can't get money. I feel really, I feel weak. I can't take care of my life. Somebody more awake could say, no, you're dreaming. You can make money. Or somebody could say, I'm in this terrible marriage, but I can't leave because so yes. you're, dream you're dreaming that. So it's much more obvious in the way that we create a life story, the way that Bob creates a certain life story with certain yes. limitations about what he can and can't do. Yes. It's much more obvious then that Alice can see it from the outside and say, no, the opposite yes. is also true. And this could apply to also the healing of disease, you know? Um, That's very interesting, actually. And I always think when, when we discuss these things, because they're very complex for a, for a simpleton like, like me, you know, a, a quantum physicist. I think the question really, they, they are definitely good metaphors. Yeah. And, and the question for, for me as a physicist, is this really... A manifestation of this underlying quantumness. This would be amazing. You know, yeah. this would be really yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. So well, it's not just a it's not just a metaphor that yeah. we're discussing, but it's a real possibility. Exactly. I mean, that. it yeah. has remained a metaphor. It has yes. it has remained something in the realm of mysticism for thousands yes. of years, and yes. it appears to me you're on the cutting edge of actually. Uh, that would be great. It sounds yeah. great. Yes. I think you'll have to wait for a, probably quite a long time for us to get to this. Do you exciting think so? Level. Well, what, what, what do you see coming next? It's, it's very hard to predict. You are right because you know technology sometimes really rapidly evolves and exponentially goes goes into more. But concepts. is it just a matter of technology evolving, or is it that as the consciousness of the experimenter expands, that more things become possible? Because remember, I mean, but Bob is only. Bob is only trapped in one reality or another because of the limits of what he can experience. Yes, I think it's yeah. both. You're right. Because every time you realize something new, yeah. you automatically start asking new questions exactly. as well, which didn't yeah. even exist before. Exactly. Uh, so you're right. Probably we'll have to be a bit of both because I think up until now, people have not even thought about this as a possibility. It just didn't yeah. occur to them that this could work this way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. you're right. This is something that happens a lot with psychedelic research. You know, LSD was legal from 1943 to 1963. It was a legal drug. You know, now it's yes. made illegal, probably more for political reasons than anything else. I understand. But, I've read a lot about this. Yeah. Yes. So when people take LSD, they experience, for example, the trees are dancing and talking to them and, the, and all these, you know, this is a completely living universe. But what they frequently say, people who undergo psychedelic research, they say, this seems way more real. What I was seeing yesterday seemed really limited by, Very by, by limited thinking. This seems way more real. So maybe what we need to do is conduct quantum physics experiments with the, with the researchers under the effect of LSD. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be cool. <laughs> yes, you, you, you get, uh, you know, a colleague of mine is already, for instance, using people to detect light in his experiments. You know, he's saying, let me check if these two photons are entangled. But instead of using conventional detectors, mm. I'm literally going to put my students behind the screen mm. and I'm going to ask them to report when they see a click, right, a flash right. of light. Right, right. And, and you are kind of saying, let's now experiment even more with that and, and yeah. see what different states we can achieve by that. Interesting. Well, this was the split that happened with Aristotle and Plato all those years ago you know, where, yes. where Plato saw consciousness as primary and everything emanating out of it, which meant that, yes. which meant research would rely much more upon consciousness. Aristotle yes. really was the first, you know, w w initiated the idea of a, some kind of fixed objective reality yes. that, of which consciousness is a byproduct. Yeah. Well, we could yes. obviously go on all night and you've got, it's, it is night for you. It's, 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 yes, mor it's right. morning for me. Well, thank you so much. I'm really, um, it's just incredibly inspiring to me to speak to somebody at the cutting edge of, of decoding reality, actually. That's yeah. what you're doing, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that, uh, that we talked and that you're interested in, in this research. And uh, I really do hope you, you look very excited about it as well. And I hope that your optimism kind of transfers to our experiments as well, as well and that you know, we can get there sooner or later. I'm absolutely, I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat to find out what happens next. Great. It's fascinating. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your Great. time. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I do. I'm just like, I'm so excited by this stuff. And I find also the conversations I have with friends about this are always the most interesting conversations. So I want to ask you, while this is fresh in your mind, if you can, just sit down somewhere for 10 minutes, get yourself a pad of paper or your favorite journal and your favorite pen. And I want to ask you to do a little featuring a little futuring exercise and write it down. Let's wind the clock forward to, let's say, as we discussed on the, on, in the conversation, to let's say 10, 20, 25 years in the future, where we're going to imagine that these kind of quantum experiments have gone much further, and we've been able to establish that by that point that, in fact, things do coexist in different states simultaneously. In other words, the cat is alive and dead. In other words, when you accept the job offer, you also don't, right, etc. When you get on the plane and fly to India, you also stay where you are. So just map that forward. And what I want to ask you to do is if these things became commonplace, if we started to understand that that's really how reality is and things only appear to be more solid because we need them to be more solid, then how would your life change? If you're imagining you're still alive and 25 years, how would your life be different if you abandoned the need for things to be in a fixed state? If you, if you could actually start to relate to life as more wave-like, as more where the state you see something in is just a, is just a possible state, but it, it can equally be in other states. If you started to integrate that more, how might that change the way you have relationship, the way you view money, the way you view your body and aging, the way that you view society. How might your relationship and your attitude to things change if you cease to believe so solidly in, in fact, in things being one way and therefore not another? 
please, um, please, you know, do take some time. And I'd love if you want to put some comments in below uh, on radicalbrilliance.com, you can do that, or you can do it on the YouTube video, wherever you find yourself. Type some comments in and let's get into a discussion about this because this is definitely, this is the cutting edge. This is the glass ceiling for today. This is, this is where things are going to break through into a whole new reality. Thanks for being with us today.